thanksgivings. This is probably the third largest category. The purpose of the psalmist is to praise Yahweh for delivering him or the community from a trial. The focus is on a past problem the psalmist faced and a past deliverance that Yahweh provided. So the key here is everything is past. The problem is past tense and the deliverance is past tense. And so if you notice that all the words are past tense, both the problem and the deliverance, then it's automatically a thanksgiving. Automatically a thanksgiving. The structure of a thanksgiving is praise to Yahweh, the report of the problem and deliverance, then thanks to God, and then asking everybody to join them in praising. So thanksgiving is a little bit more simplistic. It's just here's what happened, my problem. Here's how God delivered me. Now I'm thanking him, and now everybody praise God with me. So we'll do Psalm 18. I love you, O Yahweh, my strength. Yahweh is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Okay, so that's praising Yahweh. He's my shield, my rescuer, my stronghold. I call to Yahweh who is worthy of praise, and I am saved from my enemies. Past tense. There were enemies, and God saved him. The cords of death entangled me. Past tense. The torrents of destruction overwhelmed me. Past tense. The cords of the grave coiled around me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called, past tense, to Yahweh. I cried to my God for help. From his temple he heard, past tense, my voice. My cry came before him into his ears. Okay, so that's the report of the problem and the report of the deliverance. The earth trembled and quaked, and the foundations of the mountains shook. They trembled because he was angry. Smoke rose from his nostrils. Consuming fire came from his mouth. Burning coals blazed out of it. He parted the heavens and came down. Dark clouds were under his feet. He mounted the cherubim and blew, flew. He soared on the wings of the wind. He made darkness his covering, his canopy around him, the dark rain clouds of the sky. Out of the brightness of his presence, clouds advanced with the hailstones and bolts of lightning. Yahweh thundered from heaven. The voice of the Most High resounded. He shot arrows and they scattered the enemies. Great bolts of lightning routed them. The valleys of the seas were exposed and the foundation of the earth lay bare. At your rebuke, O Yahweh, at the blast of the breath of your nostrils, you reached down from the high and took hold of me. He drew me up out of the deep waters. He rescued me from my powerful enemy, from my foes who were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my disaster, but Yahweh was my support. He brought me out into a spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. The whirlwind. Remember we talked about God shows up in the whirlwind? He just described the whirlwind. And so basically David being a warrior, he was in battle. His enemy had completely surrounded him. He thought he was going to die. He was entangled in death, so to speak. He cried out to God. God showed up in some kind of storm, which was not uncommon for God to do that in the book of Samuel. And he showed up in the storm and drove the enemy away and defeated him. This is all past tense. It all happened in the past, and God delivered him. Now, this is a long one, but basically in verse 46, he says, Yahweh lives. Praise be to my rock, exalted to be God my Savior. He is God who avenges me and subdues nations under me, who saves me from the enemies. 
You exalted me above my, my foes from violent men and rescued me. Therefore, I will praise you among the nations of Yahweh. I will sing praise to your name. He gives his great king victories. He shows unfailing kindness to his anointed, to David and his descendants forever. So that's the concluding praise. Psalm 32. Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sins whose sin Yahweh does not count against them, and in whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away. Notice the past tense. Through my groaning all day long, for day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to Yahweh, and you forgave me the guilt of my sin. So what was the past problem? Unconfessed sin. What was the past deliverance? He confessed it and God forgave him. So that's the particular problem he was facing. He had a sin, he was keeping it, and his bones were wasting away. He was getting sick as a result of it. And he couldn't handle it anymore, and he confessed it, and God forgave him. And so that's the deliverance. He was delivered from his unconfessed sin. He was delivered from what the sin was doing to his relationship with God, what it was doing to his body. Therefore, let everyone who is godly pray to you. While you may be found, surely when the mighty water rise, they will not reach him. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble. Surround me with songs of deliverance. Now remember, mighty waters is chaos. So what he's saying is surely when chaos rises up, off the ground, it will not even come anywhere close to touching Yahweh because he is a God of order. I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. I will counsel you and watch over you. Do you do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding, but must be controlled by a bit or bridle, or they will not come to you. Many are the foes of the wicked, but Yahweh's unfailing love surrounds the man who trusts in him. Rejoice in Yahweh and be glad. You righteous, sing, and you are upright in heart. Now, this one ends a little differently because rather than calling others to praise, he's actually saying, I will instruct others to do the same. I will instruct you to confess your sins and submit to God and allow him to run your life. Because I didn't and I was wasting away. When I confessed and surrendered, he forgave me and delivered me. And so rather than calling others to praise God with him, he calls others to heed his example. And then he praises God. So that's our thanksgiving. Everything is past tense, past deliverance, past, sorry, past problem, past deliverance. Now we're going to move to hymns. Hymns are by far the second majority group. The purpose of the psalmist is to glorify Yahweh, proclaiming who Yahweh is and what he has done. The focus is on a present praise that emphasizes Yahweh's attributes, characters, or deeds. So the key to identifying this is... Everything's present. There was no past tense problem. There's no past tense deliverance. Now, he may say things like, God delivers us from our enemies. God destroys the, 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 the haughty and the proud. But that's just general. That's an attribute. The main focus is on who God is and his character and his attribute. So he may say some things that God does, but he's not talking about a specific thing that God did in his life in the past. He's just saying that God does these kind of things. So the structure of a hymn is basically call to praise, reason for praise, let's all praise. 
Right? So this is a hymn slash praise. And this is what we're most familiar with. So examples are Psalm 95. Come, let us sing for joy to Yahweh. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. There's your call to praise. For Yahweh is great God, the great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth. The mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. There's your reason for praise. God is the God of creation, and he's over all things. Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before Yahweh our maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Verse 6 is a call to praise again, but then he goes back to the reason because now he's created us. So he says, let's praise God because he created the world. Let's praise God because he created us. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in Meribeth, as you did that day at Massa and the desert, where your fathers tested and tried me through, though they had seen what I did. For 40 years I was angry with that generation, and I said, they are people whose hearts go astray, and they have not known my ways. So I declared on an oath of my anger, they shall never remember my rest. You're like, wait a minute, that's a strange praise. It ends weird. Now remember, there is no official you have to do it this way. What makes this a praise is clearly saying, let's praise God, he created the world. Let's praise God because he created us. But rather than a renewed cause for praise, he basically then turns around and says, remember the Israelite generation in the wilderness? Yeah, they didn't acknowledge God as a great God and they didn't praise him. They all died. Don't be like him. So that's kind of an indirect negative call to praise. <laughs> don't, you know what happens when people don't praise God? They die. <laughs> that's a praise. Next psalm. Very next one. Psalm 96. Sing to Yahweh a new song. Sing to Yahweh all the earth. Sing to Yahweh, praise his name, proclaim his salvation day after day, declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all the peoples. So there's your call to praise. For great is Yahweh and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. For all gods of the nations are idols, but Yahweh made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and glory are in his sanctuary. So this isn't just God as creator. This is God as superior to all other options out there. He is superior to all the gods. That's why we need to praise him. Ascribe to Yahweh, O families of nations. Ascribe to Yahweh glory and strength. Ascribe to Yahweh the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship Yahweh in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, Yahweh reigns. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. He will judge the peoples with inequity. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea resound in all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Then all the trees of the forest will sing for joy. They will sing before Yahweh, for he comes. He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in truth. So here he's praising God, not just for being creator of the world, not just for being greater than all the gods, but also being a God who judges praising him for his judgment day that is coming one day. And so this is just general attributes of who God is. Okay, so I've given you many, many, many more examples of what laments and thanksgiving and hymns are in this document here that you can go and look up more. And I guarantee you by the time, I mean, these are pretty straightforward. By the time that you kind of look up some of these, you'll get an idea of what they are. The last major category is a royal the purpose of the psalmist is to focus on Yahweh's promises in the Davidic covenant, to bless and protect the Davidic dynasty. 
So the focus is here on the Davidic dynasty, the Davidic covenant. This doesn't actually have a structure. A royal doesn't really have a structure when you're following it. It basically will emphasize three major things. It will either emphasize the Davidic covenant, the Davidic dynasty, or the ultimate Davidic king. Now, just because you see the word king, it's not a royal. Because you could be talking about the kings of the other nations. But that's not a royal because they're not Davidic covenant. If he talks about Yahweh being king, that's not a royal. Because that's not Davidic covenant, Davidic line. The only way it can be a royal is if he's talking about the Davidic king on the throne of Israel. So if you see the word king, then look for line, descendants, Israel. Okay, physical throne on earth, covenants, that kind of stuff. Or he'll be talking about the future Davidic king that is yet to come. Some royal David that will come. Examples of this is, there's actually not a lot. This is the minor category. But Psalm 2, 21, 72, and 110. Now Psalm 2 is by far one of the clearest. Because Psalm 2 says this, Why do the nations conspire the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand, and the rulers gather together against Yahweh. That's not a royal, yet. Because it's talking about Yahweh, and it's talking about kings of the earth. And they stand against Yahweh, and against his anointed one. The minute he said anointed one, now it becomes a royal. Because now we're specifically going against the anointed Davidic line. Let us break their chains, they say, and throw off their fetters. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. He rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy hill. That's Davidic covenant. I'm the one who put him there, and the kings of the earth are not going to move him. I will proclaim the decree of Yahweh. He said to me, You are my son. Today I have become your father. Ask me, and I will make the nations your inheritance. Now that part is quoted in the Gospels when it says that Jesus was baptized. You will rule over them with an iron scepter. You will dash them to pieces like pottery. That's the promises of the Davidic line. Therefore, you kings, be wise. Be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve Yahweh with fear and rejoice with the trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry, and you will be destroyed in your way. For his wrath can flare up in the moment. Blessed are those who take refuge in him. This is clearly about the Davidic king. Now, this is a praise but it becomes a royal because it's immediately about the Davidic covenant and the Davidic line. Now, the most popular and clearest royal is Psalm 110. And Psalm 110 is actually the foundation for the whole book of Hebrews. If you were there for that study, we went back to Psalm 10 quite a bit. So Yahweh says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Now, this immediately becomes royal because David is the one speaking. And David is saying, as Yahweh is saying to my Lord, sit at my right hand. Now, this is one of the things that Jesus brought to them when the Pharisees and the Sadducees are like, who do you think you are? And Jesus says, who is this guy? David says, Yahweh said to my Lord, sit at my right hand. So there's three people here. Yahweh, the Lord of David, and David. He's like, when you can tell me who that third guy is, the Lord of David, that's when you'll get the answer to the question of who I am. Now, many of them taught like, well, the Lord of David has got to be a descendant of David, right? Because there is nobody who's over David. David was the highest king. Saul didn't technically count. It can't be Yahweh because David is talking about Yahweh. Yahweh said to my Lord. The only buddy would be greater 
the only buddy who would also be a lord would be Solomon. But then Jesus made the point and said, no, no son is greater than his father. And Solomon didn't become king until after David died. So who is the only person who could be greater than David who is not Yahweh? And the answer is the Messiah, the descendant of Jesus, but he's able to be, sorry, the descendant of David, but he's able to be greater than David because he's God. And so basically that was his answer to them. It's like when you can figure out who that middle guy is, that's your answer to who I am. And the Pharisees couldn't give him an answer. So Jesus literally quoted this in order to stump the Pharisees, and then he, the, the author of Hebrews used it as a um, foundation. So the fact that Yahweh is talking about the Lord over David and David means that this is a messianic as well as about David royal psalm. The Yahweh will exalt your mighty scepter, sorry, until he makes your enemies a footstool at your feet. Yahweh will exalt, sorry, Yahweh will extend your mighty scepter from Zion. You will rule in the midst of the enemies. Your troops will be willing on your day of battle. Arrayed in the holy majesty from the womb of the dawn, you will receive the dew of your youth. This is a future deliverance. Because if God is talking to the Lord over David, then this is the day that that David will bring the kingdom of God on earth. So this has not yet happened yet. Yahweh has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. So this goes on and says his king will also be a priest, which is forbidden by the law. That's why the author of Hebrews says, therefore we are under a different law. Yahweh at your right hand, he will crush the kings on that day of his wrath. He will judge the nations, heaping up on the dead, crushing the rulers of the whole earth. He will drink from the brook beside the way. Therefore he will lift up his head. And so this is a future installment of Jesus over creation, which has not happened yet. So these are royal. And a royal automatically trumps everything. It will most likely be a praise. It could be a lament. But the minute it starts talking about the Davidic king, it becomes a royal. By far the majority are laments, then hymns, and then thanksgivings. Does that make sense? But I dealt with them in a different order because it was easier to deal with complaint than the thanksgiving, which is a deliverance from complaint, and then a praise, which is just general praise. So that's why they, that's the order I dealt with them. Does this help? Does this make sense? All right, so you have plenty of examples here to go through in your own devotions, in your own time, to kind of see what God is doing.